0: State of the Industry Podcast. And here we go. This episode is brought to you by the KP Movement Institute offering online and in-person coaching services for those seeking pain-free movement, peak athletic performance, or to improve their overall health. Whether you've been training for years or are just starting out, the coaches at the KP Movement Institute will create a personalized training solution that fits your specific needs. Not only will you optimize your movement and function, but you'll be educated, empowered, and inspired towards a healthier and more active lifestyle. Contact info at kineticperformance.ca to set up your complimentary consultation today. Welcome back to the States of the Industry podcast. I am your host Adam Youngsma. This week we have a very rare occasion. We have part three with the same guest. Yes, we have back on the one and only Jim Laval for another conversation. It's really funny when he first came on, he was really hoping that he had enough to cover just two hours and we ended up having more than enough to cover three. He is an absolute wealth of knowledge and if you haven't listened to part one or part two yet, I highly suggest that you go and listen to those first. Now, Jim really doesn't need an introduction, but I'll give him a short one anyways He is an internationally recognized clinical pharmacist. He is an author of over 20 books, a board-certified clinical nutritionist, and an expert and educator in integrative and precision nutrition. Now within this conversation, we talk all about blood chemistry. We talk about neurotransmitter depletion and how we can get back optimal performance through things like sleep, nutrition, and movement. Now, Jim, as a practitioner, has worked with teams from all four major North American sports, Olympians, collegiate athletes, and even just regular individuals struggling with chronic health complaints. Let's dive right in. All right, part number three with the uh, wonderful Jim Laval. Uh, thank you again for being here. Uh, it's absolutely been just over the past two hours fantastic to just hear the almost the evolution of the the conversation that we've had and the information that you've provided just stuff that's so easy to pull out and then immediately apply like some of the stuff is just it's it's just it's simple it's like yeah simplicity so um,
1: it has to be that way when you're my age it's <laughs> simple.
0: And I guess when you're listening to stuff and you're not in person or you know watching a video like this is all just audio right so, you know, I guess you gotta make it kind of quite simple and lay things out for people right. who are taking notes right. like me.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So let's, let's tie in a little bit about uh, gut health and, and neurotransmitters because you, you mentioned when we were talking about neurotransmitters, that it changes a little bit with regards to the permeability of the gut for certain nutrients, different things. So can you just go into kind of some of the influences of these neurochemicals and increases, decreases sure. in the body and the effects that they have on gut health?
1: Yeah, well, you know, one of the big things to understand is that you have an enteric nervous system that connects the brain to the gut. And so as you get under fight or flight response, right, we talked a lot about fight or flight, adrenaline, cortisol, mm-hmm. There's a couple of things that happens. One circulating cortisol will increase what's called gut permeability, meaning the tight junctions of the gut start to gap, they loosen up. And now proteins and pathogens and other compounds, like who knows, pesticides you're taking in or what you're getting exposed to, now have the opportunity to get through that single cell barrier. You have one cell layer thick of cells in your intestine, that separate the outside world from the inside world. Mm-hmm. And when that single layer gaps, now all of a sudden the opportunity for A, my immune system to react to these chemicals, B, for it to get in and create more systemic havoc. And so it's all about maintaining that that health. And so when you're under sympathetic fight or flight, you make more cortisol that causes this, you release your, what happens is, is your, your adrenaline triggers the release of what's called corticotropin releasing hormone i mentioned that earlier Mm -hmm. and that triggers your mast cells to actually release histamine and that causes you to gap so you get a more permeable gut the third thing that happens is as you're under sustained stress you make more inflammatory cytokines particularly interleukin-6 is what you make when you train right Mm -hmm. you make interleukin-6 it triggers your Triggers your satellite cells. Your satellite cells tell your body to remodel your muscle and create anabolic drive. But then you're supposed to turn that IL six off. You're not supposed mm-hmm. to keep it going. Most people keep it going. So the problem is, is that IL six gets into your system and upregulates that triggers something called claudin two. So IL six, the IL six bone's connected to the claudin two bone. Claudin two bone triggers. The clathrate, so it's called the clathrate cage. The tight junctions between your mucosal cells—they're mm-hmm. like guard gates. They're guard gates that you're supposed to—it it patrols what's allowed through your intestine and what isn't. Mm-hmm. The guard gates get broke when you're under chronic stress. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden, I've got a very leaky gut. Yeah. And so what can happen is—is is under sustained stress now. I've got gut permeability. My food starts. To, I start to react to food. So people would say, "Hey, I never used to have a problem eating wheat. Now I've got gluten intolerance. I I used to eat peanut butter fine. Now I almost died from it. Or gee, you know, why am I reacting to soy? It's because as we either as we age or under duress, the brain's telling the the intestine it's going to get leaky, or the intestines getting damaged due to the, eating the wrong foods growing the wrong bacteria, right? Mm-hmm. Taking maybe excessive amounts of drugs that affect the microbiome. So not just antibiotics, but people that are on oncology drugs, people that take NSAIDs. So ibuprofen, nap- yeah. naproxen, kind of stuff. And a lot of people take those. People that take acid-blocking meds. People that are on antidepressants. People that take the drug called metformin for diabetes. Hmm. All have been shown to affect your gut microbiome. And when the microbiome is affected, I no longer have the diversity. I'm no longer making the short chain fatty acids to keep the integrity of this together. Hmm. Now, all of a sudden what's going on, if only people could see my hand motions when we're doing <laughs> this, right? Yeah. I can't help it, I'm Italian. Yeah, so You're enjoying it, but yeah. it's like, you know, they can only see it. Uh, but, the, but those tight junctions, they should be puffed up like a couple of marshmallows that are stuck together, right? Think of a couple of marshmallows that are stuck together, mm-hmm. but then they shrivel. And now there's room between the marshmallows. That's how your enterocytes, when they get dysfunctional, they start to break down. And now you start to get immune reactions to food. You start to drive more systemic inflammation. So I've had people that was, told me they were gonna be ready for hip surgery. They're gonna get a hip replacement. And all we did was correct their gut, you know, prebiotic fiber, probiotics, clean up some of the unfriendly flora, give them something to reduce their stress response because they were stressed out. And lo and behold, the pain signaling went away. They no longer have hip pain. They no longer have elbow pain. They no longer have shoulder pain. I just had a guy in this week, psoriatic arthritis. His right arm was visibly bigger at the elbow than his left. Hmm. visibly bigger yeah four weeks on diet eating healthy low allergen foods so we take out soy we take out dairy we take out gluten we take out shrimp we take out corn we take all the eight big food groups out that are high allergen foods for four weeks and then gave him a probiotic gave him some nutrients for his gut Gave him something because he was very stressed, so we reduced his anxiety by because he's a perseverator. Yeah. Uh, gave him theanine. Lo and behold, the inflammation's gone. I didn't even give him anything that was for inflammation yet. Yeah. I just corrected what was wrong. Mm-hmm. Now that leads me to what kind of food should you eat, <laughs> right? Uh oh, because yeah, you know we gotta help, we gotta heal the gut. So sure. I, there's variations look i'm gonna tell you right now there's paleo people that go oh my god you can only eat paleo then i got carnivore people then i got vegan people then I got you know atkins people and and i got ice cream and tuna fish diet people you know i mean it's like everybody's got their religion their yeah. theosophy of food yeah so here's i'll give you mine um All of them probably have the story a little bit right or more right than wrong, depending on who they are. Mm -hmm. I think if you eat ketogenic for long periods of time, you break down your gut flora. It's been shown that that happens. It's been been reported and it's been reproduced in labs. You make more circulating endotoxin. And why is that important? So as you break down your bacteria in your gut, the, the cell wall breaks down and that releases something called endotoxin or lipopolysaccharide. Mm-hmm. LPS is supposed to be filtered out of your liver and your lymph, but when it doesn't filter, it circulates and attaches to your muscle and attaches to your heart. It attaches to your kidneys and your liver and triggers inflammatory cascade, NF kappa B. So you make more COX, more LOX pathways. You make more inflammatory compounds because you killed off all the bugs in your gut. Mm-hmm. You can do that through drugs. You can do it through stress. You can do it through eating. You can do it through drinking. So People that eat high fat diets all the time and low fiber, because the key is when you don't eat enough fiber, you don't feed the good bacteria in the gut. Mm -hmm. That's simple. So, so, you know, I, I think it's funny when paleo people tell me, oh my God, I won't eat a lagoon, but honey's natural. I can eat all the honey I want. Yeah. Well, no, because when you eat a lot of honey, you're feeding more of the unfriendly flora and you're spiking your blood sugar. So, but but do I agree with the majority of paleo perspectives? Sure, eat more natural whole foods and eat more eat more plants, grass fed, wild caught. Totally yeah. on board with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the point being is, what I do with people a lot of times is many times I test them for food allergies and sensitivities. I want to know specifically what they're reacting to and take them off it, and that really helps their inflammation dramatically. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to do that, you take out the big amount of foods. And then you said it, you said it earlier, you snuck the gem out and it was, you know, I, I absolutely caught it like a big beach ball. You gave me to hit it was, you have to understand where people's carbohydrate tolerance is. Mm. Initially, if you're cleaning up someone's gut and say they've got candida, which a lot of people have read about candida by now. They may need to go on a lower carb diet in order to kind of kill the bugs off as you're giving them things like cat's claw or grapefruit seed extract or olive leaf extract or, you know, any one of 10 bug killers, lauric acid, you name it, they're all out there. Mm -hmm. Um, Berberine. So, so you may need to do that. But in reality, you know, carbs aren't bad. People were eating carbs in the 1930s and we weren't obese. Yeah. And we didn't have the rate of autoimmunity that we do now. You know, we keep forgetting about perspective. We're looking at what's going on right now and not looking at what was going on a generation ago. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, people were eating Wonder Bread when I was, when I was uh, going to school 1965. Mm -hmm. That's
0: when sliced bread came out, right?
1: Wonder Bread Bread sandwiches, man, and Twinkies.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, and I was, I was the Ho-Ho King. I would bring in a box of Ho-Ho's and trade them with people, you know? Now, am I saying that's the right kind of food to eat? No, of course not. But back then, a lot of people ate that way. Nobody was obese. I can only think of one or two kids that were overweight in my classes. Going all the way up, maybe into high school, we started seeing more overweight people over yeah. that twenty-year period. Basically, where more and more refined carbs got into the diet,
0: yeah. more
1: food reactivity. A lot of people on antibiotics. A lot of people on drug therapies messing up their gut. Stress, all that stuff. Drinking more cokes, you know, more soda. So I understand the, the reaction, but I do, I, I do want people to understand that inherently, uh, look, French people live a pretty long life. They still eat dessert. Yep. They eat, I, I mean, let's, let's, what's wrong is, is that our immune system has gotten, has gotten skewed
0: mm-hmm. and
1: now we're more reactive. And so one of the biggest issues I have is we create these restrictive diets where people are afraid to eat anything and now they, they develop where they can't tolerate anything. Yeah. And so it's really important for people to understand sliding scale of carbohydrates based mm-hmm. on how you do. If I eat a lot of carbs, I can tell you right now, I got the obesity genes, man. I'm 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 270 pounds really quick. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can go up from 203 to 270. I, I mean, easy. Yeah. It, and, and so it's important to understand sliding stale carbs, eat lots of plants. Get the highest source of protein you can. If you are an ApoE gene, th- a 3-4 or a 4-4 genotype, you should keep your saturated fat below 25 grams a day. Or you're gonna plaque your arteries, increase your risk of Alzheimer's and heart disease.
0: Mm-hmm. You're gonna
1: die younger. It's very clear in the evidence. Yeah. So you gotta know, you gotta know that. Uh, and and then liberal with vegetables. If I always say three to four vegetables for every fruit. Mm-hmm. If you can't get the four vegetables, you don't get your fruit. Yeah. You can't have any pudding if you don't eat your meat. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Right? Pink Floyd. So so that's the point on diet is you're going to have to get lots of plants in. You're going to get a sliding scale, how much protein you need based on how hard you're working out, right, for recovery. Uh, You're going to need some fats, but you got to watch the kind of fat you eat, especially Mm -hmm. if it's sat fat, if you're an ApoE genotype. And you know, I'm not a big fan of cow's dairy. I found a lot of people react to cow's dairy. So in general, I tend to keep people away from it. If they eat it and they don't have any problems, fine, eat it. I got nothing against it if, if you're not reacting. But if you're getting sinus- sinusy, if your hands are swelling, if you're achy, yeah. well, then maybe you should stay off that food unless you like swelling, being achy, and being sinusy. If you don't <laughs> enjoy that, then keep eating what you're eating. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of my... Quick run through on diet. I mean, I obviously we've written a 250-page diet book that goes through learning about all this that Mm -hmm. is available that people can get. So there's there's that that explains all this, but that's the net of it, right? Yeah, that's what you got to understand.
0: Yeah, and there's no one right way to eat for everybody. Everybody's a little bit different because, as you mentioned, they you know could be sensitive to certain foods, different types. Uh, they react a little bit differently to the amounts of all those foods, right? Carbohydrates, saturated fats. So, yeah, I think getting a a really good background, a really good understanding of your own uh, genetics, right? Your your kind of genetic profile, and as well as 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 you're mentioning the the uh, allergy food tests, you know, the Finder or food allergy test, I guess to figure out what foods you're sensitive to so you can avoid those and move them out. I think the problem is that so many people enjoy the foods that they're allergic to, that they're just like, but I can't, I can't. I know I'm sensitive to carbs, but I really like them.
1: Or I know I'm sensitive to dairy, but ice cream's delicious. So anyway, so what's that tell you? When people say, I really love my carbs, that means I got to work on your serotonin. Yeah. And, exactly. and if if they really like dairy, I'm with them. I love cow's milk ice cream, but I had to find other options. So I have coconut milk or cashew milk, or you know, I find other options that are going to work for me. Because I'm one of those people, man. I eat dairy. I can't breathe through my nose. I my hands swell. It's like I just like them. Yeah. The big way to know whether you're eating foods you're sensitive to. This is just kind of a clinical trick. There's no paper published on it, but if you eat something. And you're gaining four pounds of water. You know, some people say, oh, I went on vacation. I ate foods I don't normally eat. And I gained seven pounds. Yeah. There's no way they ate seven pounds of food and 100% of it got converted to fat. Yeah. yeah. But they did gain seven pounds of water mm-hmm. that they triggered because their histamine increased because they ate that food and they got sensitive to it. And therefore now they're holding more water and feeling bloated and puffy and spongy. Yeah. When I say those words to people, they go, Oh my God, that's it. That's exactly it. I do feel bloated and puffy and spongy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, two quick things before we move on. So one is, uh, can you just, so for the listeners, can you just differentiate prebiotic and pro biotic just so they understand because i'm sure there's so many people who hear those words or see those words on uh, bottles like supplements or they see them in yogurt or whatever they're eating and they're like i don't actually know what the difference is between the two and what they actually do in the body
1: sure so probiotics are basically the beneficial flora that help their their microbiome they're the beneficial flora That help you with everything from metabolizing hormones, to making vitamins and minerals, to telling, uh, making the the, uh, different uh, chemicals to tell your brain that you're full now, or that you're hungry. Mm -hmm. Uh, They help with making the short chain fatty acids that repair your gut lining. They're, They're involved in immune function and signaling. So probiotics are the flora that we either ingest, right? If you're in the old, olden days, right? Like if we're paleolithic, we're eating dirt with our carrots, which I'm sure yeah. everybody's doing that now when they're paleo eating, they're throwing dirt on their carrots,
0: going into the backyard, yeah. dipping it yeah, in. Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm going paleo. Did you see there's no new paleo um, grocery carts that they've got now? This is crazy, oh. man. They've got a weighted paleo cart that you can get at whole foods where you can turn it up to make it more difficult for you to push through the meat section so you can hunt for your meat with a little more effort (laughs) have you seen that Uh, i had you go man oh my gosh that would be
0: so amazing the amount so great okay when i tell people when they go to um when they go to the grocery store, you know how most people, they push their cart and it's like, you know, they got the squeaky wheels. So they get the ones, they oil them up. Some of them bring their own WD-40 right. and they they're pushing it through. And I always like, you know, try going and carrying your groceries, like grab two, like but, like, but then I have to carry it around. Oh my, oh my goodness. You have to carry your food. Uh, yeah and so anyways some people have that that, like blows their mind that i carry my food around the grocery store and it's like you know you do one grocery shop for an hour and a half and you push a card or you could do three for half hour each and carry your food and actually get a little bit of a workout if you're only holding one hey that's a unilateral loaded carry perfect
1: and and uh hey guess what uh park farther away right yeah so yeah, so the so probiotics you can get with eating things like sauerkraut, kimchi, uh, yogurts, although some yogurts are more um, dairy based probiotics versus human strain probiotics, mm. but you can get you know, you still can get probiotics from that. So basically fermented foods, um, kefirs, those kind of things, you can get probiotics from, or you could take a probiotic. Mm-hmm. Prebiotics are the food. That probiotics need in order to live. Mm. So a prebiotic is tip is a fiber. Now, the, probably the most famous one is inulin, uh, from chicory root. But it's but it makes a lot of people gassy. So okay. I I don't tend. I I usually say you got to watch inulin. You just got to try it, and it's going to make most people gassy initially because you're you're stirring up your beneficial flora. You're giving it food. Yeah. So it's a byproduct, but if it if you're still if it still bothers you and you're getting GI distress from it, it's not worth it. So now, what else can I do to get prebiotics, which is basically fiber? Um, you can think about eating artichokes, dark green leafies, really good for fiber. Mm-hmm. Apples are good for fiber. I already you know so you know um, so the greens, those are good, and then then things like using chia seeds or hemp hearts, or, or flax seed. Those are also fibers that help your beneficial flora stay intact, because it's really important when your beneficial flora are compromised. A good example is uh, getting rid of estrogen in your body, right? If you're a man or a woman, and you're making, you're making estrogen, and say you're a man, and you're making too much estrogen, right, which happens, or you're a woman, your, your body takes estrogen and basically puts a hook on it. It's called a glucuronide. It's glucuronidation phase two detoxification, glucuronide handle gets put on the estrogen and you carry it out of the body. Hmm. Well, if you don't have good flora or you're eating a high fat, high refined sugar, high refined carb diet or high carb diet, and you're not getting 40 grams of fiber a day. And by the way, only two grams of fiber per serving of vegetable. That means 20 servings of vegetables Mm -hmm. a day if you're going to hit your target. Most people don't. So you need to have some legumes or you got to add fiber like chia seed, flax seed, like I just mentioned. Yeah. So so the bottom line is, is that if you're going to have good flora, the unfriendly flora kind of take over. It's kind of like the Crips and the Bloods, you know, the bad flora take over. And the bad flora... Then make something called beta glucuronidase. And it's an enzyme that cuts that handle off of that estrogen that was going to get carried out of your body. And mm-hmm. now it recirculates mm. and it can store in your tissues and make you estrogen dominant. So that's just one example of why it's so important to have probiotics and prebiotics in your diet. Okay, cool. Um,
0: and then, so last little thing, and I think I already know the. Uh, answer to this
1: but just thoughts on antibiotics oh sure uh, you know they're a necessary evil you know um i think that people get on antibiotics too quickly mm-hmm. um i'm a part of that culture i mean i thought the the the, the pink liquid that was bubblegum flavored was a part of my meal plan <laughs> and i, I and, and then the purple stuff dimetap that was dessert i mean i looked forward to my dimetap at night because it was grape flavored And so I lived on it and my generation, and therefore it caused a lot of GI issues for me and allergies and rashes and skin wheels and histamine problems, all the things I just talked about. Yeah, I lived it. That's how I unwound all this stuff. And, you know, age 20, found somebody to work on me 40 years ago. So, so the point being is, is that you need antibiotics when it's life threatening or when you have a bad enough infection Uh, you need to use them. But Mm -hmm. if you're taking antibiotics, it's very important that you take a probiotic just to replenish the beneficial flora. Mm -hmm. In two populations, they're very at high risk. In infants, they get antibiotics and get uh, diarrhea, uh, antibiotic-induced diarrhea because they can dehydrate. Mm -hmm. And the same thing in the elderly population. So it's really important to understand if you're gonna be on an antibiotic, take a probiotic at least two hours away from that drug that you just took. Uh, And then only use them as really necessary.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I try to take, um, I was actually talking with somebody today uh, who was here for a session and um, like, I was talking to them about like, I don't take medication. Like if I'm in pain, like I don't take Advil or Tylenol or anything like that, unless it's inhibiting my ability to sleep. Like that's typically the only time. So like I had surgery on my bicep, I tore my bicep playing hockey um, about a year and a half ago or so. And, uh, they gave me like these really powerful painkillers. And then they gave me, they said Tylenol arthritis. And so, um, I started taking Tylenol arthritis kind of throughout the day because they had to obviously drill into your bone to, to do the distal biceps repair. And, uh, then I just weaned off during the day. It was only at night and then just weaned off that. And then nothing after that. So. Yeah, but a lot of people are, you know, pill first. Like, what can I take to deal with this? Like, I got a small little headache, so I'll take something now. Uh, and like migraine users aside, right? Like understanding if you don't take something early, it gets worse. And then like you're, you know, up shit's
1: Creek without yeah. a paddle. For but um, yeah, and so, um, yeah, but. But I mean, things like, you know, curcumin is great for pain. And, uh, the the SAMe is great for pain, mm msm methyl methane great for reducing inflammation mm-hmm. um so i mean there's things that people can do that won't affect your microbiome whereas you take NSAIDs it affects your microbiome if you're taking them all the time yeah yeah a big, a big deal
0: yeah takes you out of balance for sure yep uh so two questions and i'm hoping this first one has a a short or a shorter answer so we can get to the second part uh, because right. I'm just being mindful of, of the time that that uh, that you have. I'm
1: make it really short. It's going to be a one word answer.
0: I've worded it in a way that it can't be. Well, maybe it could. I don't know if you can find a way to make it a one word. Oh, uh, okay. actually, it might be able to be a one word answer. It just won't be yes or no. Okay. Or maybe. Uh, so the question is, why does the body? Because you mentioned it increases permeability. Um, specifically when there's that imbalance in uh, cortisol and neurotransmitters and all that. So why does the body actually increase the permeability of the gut, which then cascades to leading to a whole bunch of other issues with the immune system? Like, what is the the benefit of that increased permeability for the body? Because there has to be like, there's a reason the body does that. I just don't know. Well,
1: what it is. Injury does that. If you get a TBI, for example, you get hit in the head. Mm-hmm. In 10 minutes your gut is is permeable
0: mm.
1: they've shown it they' i mean cell culture studies they've just shown that it happens so you're you're doing it um i think if you think about it your body's trying to find a way to get things into the body but more importantly the whole cascade is triggering more of an inflammatory response which is needed in order to heal unless it becomes chronic mm-hmm right so you know the, the difference is between acute inflammation trying to repair something and chronic inflammation so if i chronically keep my gut uh, in a, in that leaky state i start to create problems yeah if it's a short term burst then and i'm upregulating my i'm upregulating my immune activation mm-hmm. right then it's it's being oriented at repair so it's all about length of time just like il-6 is good when you exercise too much il-6 is bad yeah you know
0: yeah so yeah so the body's trying to pull in more nutrients to deal with the repair and the inflammation that it needs but as you said if it lasts too long it leads actually to systemic inflammation as opposed to um, actually fixing much of anything, right?
1: It's, it's what makes sense. It's, it's, it's what makes sense. It's like, okay, let's open the floodgates and see if we can get some nutrients in here. Uh, but the part that I do know for sure is, is it's doing it as an inflammatory response that, yeah. is, that is being activated to try to create a repair mechanism that then once it's in an excessive cycle, it's ending up having a, you know a chronic inflammatory process.
0: Yeah, and have you found that with not everything, but the body has a tendency to have extreme reactions to things. So like, for instance, if, if you have somebody who says, Oh, like, um, I've got high cholesterol, so I'm cutting out cholesterol. And then the body has an adversary, like, it's like, Whoa, I, I don't have a cholesterol. Well, little did you know, I can create my own and then it makes more cholesterol than it actually needs. Like it doesn't have that almost that regulatory ability to deal with, well, I don't have any in my diet, so I have to make more. And it actually does the opposite of what most people want when they just cut out cholesterol altogether. Um, But do you find that with a lot of things in the body that the body has kind of an extreme answer to a lot of the, I guess, questions that are asked of it?
1: Yeah, I mean, basically, your body works by countermeasures, you know, measure, countermeasure, and, and it's doing it for a reason. So, for example, when your cholesterol goes up and your thyroid hormones start to go down, uh, so as your cortisol is up and thyroid's down, well, you think, oh, I need to give more thyroid so I have more energy. But the problem is when you're making all that cortisol, you're making more thyroid binding globulin, so you can give all the thyroid hormone you want, and it's going to bind it up and say, no, don't use it because I don't want that heart rate going up, mm-hmm. but you keep trying to give it. And so your body's always trying to regulate the best possible scenario for you to survive today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All about survival.
1: And there's sacrifices that get made in order to do that. So the more I can keep myself in in homeostasis, the less negative decisions my body has to make, meaning Mm -hmm. pumping out inflammatory cytokines, triggering more immune activation, all the things that are keeping me in the game, but minimizing my vitality and my best possible life, those are the things that start to happen as I'm doing things that aren't you know, aren't working for my body.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, I actually say that a lot in whether it's uh, the education courses I'm running or when I'm working with clients and they're asking questions about things, I'm just like, your body is all about survival. Like, how can it survive? Like, it doesn't know the difference between the stress that you have because of a deadline and the fact that there's a puma racing after you in the street like it has it has no idea like stress is stress for your body and it reacts to a varying degree but in the same way to stresses and it's just it's um yeah once you get to that understanding that everything's about survival for your body and that if you put 350 pounds it's gonna find a way to try to lift that off the ground or it's going to die trying because it thinks that that is something that has to be done in that scenario, right? Like, that's why people – that's why that biomechanics piece.
1: You know, it's really interesting, um, and I don't, I don't want to take up too much time. I know you got a couple more questions. And I, In fact, I'll keep it for the story at the end. I want to make sure we get our questions done. So if we get our questions done, I, I'll have a little story about me visiting the Cincinnati Zoo. All right, all right.
0: Uh, okay. So, well, let's just, let's just do one more question. Uh, and then we can get to that question. Cause I actually have like a lightning round kind of thing at the end that I like to do with, with all my guests. So, so, um, but we'll, I'll ask the one question and maybe, uh, it'll be a shorter answer than we would regularly done. But so if we have this systemic inflammation, so understanding that we can deal with, uh, kind of the causes, some of the causes of it, and, you know, bring in some supplements to, to kind of reorganize or get our levels back to what they should be. What's a good way to deal with this systemic inflammation? So if we are feeling heavy, if our joints are feeling sore, if we're, you know, um, is there anything active that we can do or from a nutritional standpoint that would really deal with that inflammation really well?
1: Well, I mean, the big thing I do is I put people on a modified, low-carb, low-allergen uh, diet. I mean, it's a, it's a anti-inflammatory, low-allergen, modified, low-carb diet to get started. That's where I get them started, because most people are a little bit insulin-resistant, and that means they're triggering a lot of inflammatory compounds. So I'm taking out the gluten, and I'm taking out the dairy, and I'm taking out the soy, and I'm you know, taking out the corn. I don't have them eating a lot of grains in their first four weeks. I try to discourage grains the first four weeks. Then we start to reintroduce those. A lot of plant-based foods, maybe do a little nutritional rest in the morning by doing a shake uh, with, you know, whatever uh, protein they can tolerate. Some people don't tolerate pea protein. Everybody goes, oh, drink a plant-based protein. Well, what if you're allergic to pea and rice? You know, if you bloat when you drink that, don't drink that. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of one of those. Things, the simplicity
0: right? of some answers, it hurts when I do this.
1: Yeah, yeah. maybe don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so I think diet-wise, it's important to do that. I think working on your guts incredibly important. So, like the probiotic, prebiotic, and 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 maybe doing a little bit of a bug, you know, bug killer like berberine or cat's claw or grapefruit seed extract really helps out on that. And then if you want global inflammation relief. You got to get magnesium on board the easy way to do that is looking at ph i mean if your ph of your urine and your saliva are acidic meaning if your ph of your if saliva is under 7.2 and your ph of your urine is under 6.5 then you probably are, are, are low on your on on your cations you don't have enough mag you don't have enough potassium and that by default means you're going to have more lactate in your tissues more lactic acid Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's going to trigger more, uh, you know, soreness and tenderness, right? That's going to happen. And so I'm big on getting people to get their magnesium pull up to get that inflammation down, changing their diet, uh, making sure they're at least, you know, moving, but moving maybe easier initially. If it's they're sore everywhere, it's like, Hey, walk yeah. instead of run, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then it's things like the, the go-tos, you know, if you can get a good curcumin, um, uh, you know, a curcumin that's, you know, really got great data behind it ends up being a value. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and then there's, you know, obviously things like green lip muscle and those kind of things that people can take for systemic inflammation, but I find inflammations occurring because I'm under stress. I'm not sleeping enough. My diet's not what it should be. Mm-hmm. I'm void of key nutrients like magnesium. My pH is acidic. And, you know, people don't get like your blood pH doesn't change much. If your blood pH changes, you're dead. Yeah. But your urine and saliva pH, your intracellular pH changes. And they've they've documented this. They, they know this, that as people become, you know, more energy inefficient, you make more lactic acid because you're making two molecules of ATP versus 38. And the rest of the waste, being that gas-sucking SUV, is lactate and pyruvate from inefficient metabolism. So Mm -hmm. the lactic acid goes up, you get intracellular acidity, and now my urine is acidic, my pH of my saliva is acidic. And so you need to make sure you get those alkaline minerals in there, as well as eat more vegetables and you're gonna clean that up. Mm -hmm. So those are the key things you can do right off the bat uh, that are gonna help people to reduce their, their inflammation and pain signaling Sam, don't forget Sam E. It's really good as a natural agent to help reduce pain as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Awesome. That All was right. one word, right? Pardon? That was a one-word answer, right?
0: That was the one. Uh, yeah, I-, I wrote down curcumin. Does that count? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I have that written down. Yeah.
0: All right. So let's do a little bit of a lightning round. I love to do this with all the guests that come on. It's three questions. Uh, the first two are top threes. And then uh, the other one's just a piece of advice. So first question is the top three books that you have read on any topic. So it can be for fun. It can be for work. Doesn't matter. Top three books on any topic.
1: Uh wow. That's a good one. I'm trying to think of when the last last book that I read was. <laughs> I'm <laughs> always writing them. I'm yeah. never reading them. Um, you know, there was one, Nutrition and Pharmacy Practice. I love that. I like Nutritional Influences on Illness a lot. That was a groundbreaker for me. Um, I liked... Uh, trying to think of my what my favorite stress book was because there were so many of them let me take a look let me I can tell you right now well I'll tell you the other one that is really good is uh herbs nutrients and drug interactions for me that was another one that was good so I you know it's interesting I read so much primary literature that I don't I'm not reading as I don't read as many books because I'm writing books, but I'm looking at the literature all the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I find it's interesting because there's a few other people who have I who I've talked to on different podcasts who have said they either read so many papers that they're just, I like reading for me, like that's not a relaxing thing that I can do. I have to, uh, there's other things that I do to relax other than reading because there's so much involved in my everyday and my eyes would just fall out of the sockets if I continued to read for quote unquote pleasure. Um, And then there's people like me who are slower readers. And so I do a lot of skimming and I, if I'm going to read something of content, like it's going to take me a
1: while to actually read it. I mean, things like the Tao Te Ching, you know, things that were, you know, um, you know, Where Are You Going by Muktananda, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not having, I'm not saying about any religious orientation, I'm just saying that these are different books from Taoism, to uh, kind of the Sifu guruism uh, into you know, my roots in Catholicism and taking a master's in theology program. Yeah. Uh, those kind of things are really important to me is to understand contextually what's going on. So, I mean, those are pretty big ones too.
0: Yeah. Next question, your top three mentors along your journey thus far.
1: Oh my gosh, that's easy. Sandy Wood, Alexander Wood, uh, who just recently passed away, started the Ontario College of Naturopathic Medicine. He was the founder of it. Uh, he taught me unbelievable uh, amounts about how to evaluate the body, brilliant. David Poland, who also had, uh, has passed away, uh, he was the first you know, doc that worked on me and then I ended up working for him. And he had a massive clinic and was a brilliant doc, uh, mm-hmm. actually chiropractor biochemist. So uh, really quite good. Uh, and then the third third big influence on me, Dick Wiest, my professor of pharmacy practice at the University of Cincinnati. He just like was relentless about just like precision, in excellence don't they I, I remember i i twisted my ankle so bad i had to hop into a class and my ankle was blown up like four times the normal size i'm barely able to function i said dr weas there's any way i could take this test like maybe in an hour or two just to guy like, let me get this pain down and he looked at me and he looked at the ankle he said it's your ankle you're thinking with your head <laughs> i love it <laughs> so yeah dick weas yeah
0: um all right, and then the last one is uh, what piece of advice or wisdom would Jim uh, of today give 20-year-old Jim?
1: Woo! Get out, buddy. <laughs> Relax. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that it's, you know, for me, it would be um, just remember commitment to service that the biggest joy you get is actually uh, through helping others. That's really the key. And so I, I, I think that would be what I'd give the 20 year old Jim.
0: Awesome. All right. So we've got about, uh, what, two and a half minutes or so. Um, do you want to just give the listeners a little bit of a, uh, direction about where they can find out more about you uh products books stuff that you have because i know you've you've got so many I, I don't think three minutes is enough for you to list them all but yeah. at least where they can go to learn more about you and sure. uh, what you have available
1: yeah they can go to jimlaval.com uh or metaboliccode.com they can pick up our diet materials if they want there uh, i've got lists of all my books that i've written there uh and so that's an easy place and then it's got all my you know. Twitter, Facebook stuff that my staff does. I have no idea what any of that is, truthfully, but I'm uh, but I, I'm I'm told I need to mention it. So, right, so <laughs> I, I think uh, yeah, it's good. Um and uh, so yeah, those are the two big areas. I got two books coming out this year. One's on uh, you know, athletic performance and looking at biomarkers. So I'm really excited that books coming out. So I write books in twos, never in ones. Awesome. Uh, and, uh, and then my other book is just uh, Cracking the Metabolic Code version 2.0. I mean, it's going to be chalked with the next 20 years of innovation in biochemistry with individuals. So, you know, look for those books. I have ebooks out they can get as well. Awesome. And, uh, you know, that, that's pretty much it. I'm just uh, grinding away. Awesome.
0: Well, you'll have to let me know when those two come out because um, I'll, I'll definitely have to pick those up and read those. Cause I'm really, uh, really interested in staying, I guess, at the forefront of what I do with athletes as a strength coach rehab, you know, all those types of things and being able to provide better quality information that, you know, isn't, you know, me reading a 2010 or 2005 article, actually getting information. That's a little bit more recent than that. Um, so yeah, you'll have to let me know when those come out so I can pick them up and, and and read those. Um, well, I I gotta say, thank you so much for coming on. And this has been three hours that I I have enjoyed, um, a lot. You've seen my face with some of the questions. I've got a massive amount of notes and, uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll have to have you on again in the future. I won't make it next week. You know, I won't make it a weekly (laughs) occurrence or two hours every week, but uh, definitely have to have you back on because there are still other questions. And I'm like, we got to dive a little bit deeper into that. Um, but I just sure. want to kind of finish off with something that you just said, and you mentioned it earlier, but you said it again, and just a commitment to serving others. So just thank you so much for putting time aside to speak with lowly me, I, I not not seriously lowly me, but thank you for just putting the time aside to share your expertise with myself and the audience and uh you are a gem thank you very much
1: oh thank you so much man i i I love being able to get out there and just uh help people learn about themselves empower them to be well
0: state of the industry podcast i'll be back